<laughs> Welcome to Watch Out, where we dig through our DVD dungeon, where we scour the endless streaming landscape, all to help you find some kick-ass horror movies. Hello and welcome to Watch Out, the horror movie review podcast. We're glad to have you with us. Our goal is to provide you with spoiler-free reviews and recommendations for both recent films and horror classics. I am Jason the Terrible, broadcasting from Ottawa, Ontario, and I am joined from Vancouver, BC, as always, by Grave Robber Jeff. Hello. And Slice and Dice and Dave. Good evening, everyone. You know what I watched? Uh, I love how I just like... <laughs> I'll just go right into like what I watched the past week. But hey, did you ever like watch any of that um, Castle Rock show? Because I know you're a big time Stephen King fan, Jay, so I'm assuming you've seen the whole series? Yeah, no. I've got so many Stephen King things that once they started releasing miniseries for absolutely everything instead of just movies, then it became really hard to keep up. Um, I don't believe your excuse. But anyway, um, I finally finished Castle Rock. Eh? And I tell you what, pals. Do you know anything about season two of Castle Rock? Anyway, it's pretty cool I've, because I've I see. Oh, no! I was gonna say I've seen Fraggle Rock, but not Castle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all seen Fraggle Rock. Anyway, the cool thing about Castle Rock is like it merges a bunch of stories from the old Stephen King uh, lore, or I guess uh, world. You know what I'm saying? So there's all like. Shawshank Redemption and stuff in there, and Tim Tim Robbins is even in there, you know? The guy that was from Shawshank Redemption. Anyway, oh man, was the last episode ever awesome. That's all I gotta say. So if you got like 20 episodes in you, I'd watch Castle Rock. What's Castle Rock on? What service? Uh, You can find it on Crave, Jeff, here in Canada. Uh, Can't remember in the States, to be fair. Now I feel terrible. But anyway, Castle Rock, season two. Well, I watched a movie that I've been talking about having trouble finding for a long, long time. What? Which mo- what? What movie? Remember how I watched the remake of Inside without realizing it was a remake? Oh, that's right. Yeah. How yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> I know. Well, I instead of hiding that fact behind the fridge, I just I talked about it on the podcast. So well, no, now, I mean, hey, man, we shouldn't be ashamed of who we are in life. Come on, now. Yeah, if we want to be people that accidentally watch remakes of movies that they think are the originals, <laughs> then we should be allowed to do that. Uh, it could happen to anyone, Jay. It could happen to anyone. I Actually, I don't think it could, but... <laughs> I think it could, to be fair. So anyway, I've tracked it down on eBay, paid about as much as I did for the remake when I bought the uh-huh. DVD of that one, Uh huh. and I watched it. And I wish I'd seen it first. Oh. But I got to say, it's a lot of it was the same, and a lot of it was completely, totally different. Well, that's and weird. just brings up that age-old remake question, why the hell did they remake it, and why the hell did they do that? Why did they change the ending so much? It's like, they don't think that North American audiences can handle something like that. Anyway, okay. that's all I'm going to say, because we can't get into spoilers and on, on this, but... Bad, yeah. But inside is pretty raw. Yeah, some parts, a couple parts are quite out there. 
And then there's a couple of things I'd heard about it in terms of the, the gory set pieces that if you haven't heard about it, then you'll be surprised and shocked at how it happens. If you know it happens before you watch it, then you're less shocked and surprised. So this is one of those new French extremity movies that along with High Tension and Martyrs and Frontiers that are pretty brutal and gory that carry a lot of high expectations with them. So I think I would have been more impacted had I not seen the remake first, which is exactly what I was afraid of, so damn it. But whatever, I'm still glad I watched it. Well, there you go. Congratulations, Ben. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so this week I I uh, ended up picking the theme this week, fellas. I spent hours, but I came up with the idea. Someone, I, I read somewhere, somewhere, some, <laughs> I read somewhere someone was saying that uh, they thought that Lynn Shay was like the one of the queens of horror or whatnot. And I wasn't necessarily going to agree or disagree, but I thought, yeah, Lynn Shay, eh? Well, and then I said, well, I wonder how many goddamn horror movies she's actually done. And so I looked into it, and there was there was a goddamn uh, ass load of horror movies. Can I say that on the air? Sure, I guess. What did you guys pick? Do you like Lin Shay? Do you know who Lin Shay is? What's your favorite Lin Shay movie? We should talk a bit about Lin Shay since you've made her the focus of the theme and everything. Her, the best movie she's been in, in my humble opinion, the her, the best horror movie would be A Nightmare on Elm Street. Am I correct? Or do you guys like the Insidiouses? Like Are you talking about options. her best performance or the best movie? Just best movie, not her best performance. She's a teacher in the, in A Nightmare on Elm Street, so she's not in a major role in that. But she wa she can go around saying, hey, guess what, fellas? I was in a goddamn Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, that's quite a big deal to a guy like me. It is a big deal. But Grave Robber Jeff, do you realize which of your favorite horror franchises she was in? I do believe she was in the Craters movies. Yes, the yeah! Craters movies. Then, uh, yeah, all those Insidiouses and things, you know? Insidious eyes. Or no, Insidious. The Insidious. 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 Or whatnot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I talked about a movie in a past episode called Dead End that she was in. Yeah. Oh, that's I really right. enjoyed yeah. if, if you want to go back to those old episodes, whatever that was. Oh, you remember, you remember uh, Ouija? And the and Ouija Origin of Evil, if she was in those. Yeah, I wanted to pick one of those, but I couldn't. I don't have any streaming services covering those right now. Oh, for Pete's sakes, Jason. It's like two ninety nine to rent a movie. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, no, I mean, she's been in quite a bit. And then I was actually going to pick the one that I worked on. But then I was like, well, you guys aren't going to believe what I... Well, there's two things. The reason why I wouldn't pick the one that I worked on. A, if I liked it, you guys would be like, oh, you liked it because of... You know, you worked on it. And if I didn't like it, then if anybody ever, like, listened to it that worked with me on it, maybe I'd never work with them again, you know? <laughs> They'd be like, well, we're not going to let this ass face on our next friggin' film. Anyway. That's fair. So I, I noticed on our list of movies is The Grudge, but this is a 2020 remake of The Grudge. Yeah, They're remaking you know they The Grudge that? again? Dude, it's no, it's already been out. I just didn't realize, I guess it passed me by that they actually remade that. So there you go. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because I was not a big fan of the first Americanized version. And I never saw the Japanese version. Juan, is that what they call it? I guess they don't stay in a French accent. They probably you, don't say it. You haven't Juan. seen Juan? No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, Should you I? got it. That's so scary, man. What? It is. Is it, is it scarier than Ringu? 
I think it's scarier than The Ring. Get out of town. Interesting. Well, you know what? I could probably watch that again, almost like watching it for the first time, because I hated The Grudge so much. Did I hate it so much? I remember hating it so much that I've only seen it the once, and I don't think I cared for it. So maybe I will go and watch Jouan, yeah. as they call it. Absolutely. Wasn't you should Sarah go to Michelle that. Geller in that or something? Yeah. I think Not that's why I, I, No, yeah. Well, the, re, the Americanized version, as we call yeah, it. Yeah, the Americanized Jesus Christ. You know, Lynn Shea has goddamn been in two Jim Carrey movies. Lucky, lucky gal. God damn it. She and then, of in, course. There's something about Mary as well. I know. She was in a whole. Like, dude. When I. <laughs> I love. <laughs> I think the story. I don't know if the story came up in one of our practice ones, but when I told her that. Because she said, oh, I want to get a picture with her, eh? No, you tell me if I've said this a million times. No, I times. remember the story. I can't remember if it's made it on air, so to speak. Okay, but well, go if, ahead. Because I was like, oh, hey, Lynn Shea, can I have a picture with you? And she's all nice and things because she's a, a nice gal. She's like, yeah, sure. And then uh, I said, oh, you know, I'm a big fan of a lot of your movies. And she goes, oh, well, what's your favorite one? And, uh, and uh, you know, I, at the time I said, I said well, Kingpin's my favorite movie with you. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember her particular part in that movie, <laughs> but uh, she needs the rent money from uh, one Woody Harrelson, and uh, he doesn't have the money, we'll say. So there's another way that they, they make uh, an agreement, let's say. Anyway, goddamn, goddamn hilarious, that goddamn movie. But then thinking about it, me, myself, and Irene, or Dumb and Dumber, they're both my... I can't really remember. Who the hell was she in Dumb and Dumber? I'll have to rewatch that for the millionth time or something. So anyway, but the short end of the story there, after I said, yeah, Kingpin, I went to go and look at my picture. The goddamn guy that took the picture didn't take the goddamn picture. So now I don't have the picture with Lynn Shea. And she always uh, thinks I'm a creepoid for saying I liked friggin' Kingpin as one of her favorite, as my favorite movie with her in it. Yeah, but you also got Barbara Crampton to sign a picture of her in Dominatrix leather, so... Well, because my favorite movie with Barbara Crampton is from, from uh, goddamn Beyond. I know, but and I'm And that's sorry. the only one they had with From Beyond. I think I'm noticing you know a pattern, though. What? What, <laughs> what is the pattern? <laughs> Jesus right. Christ. Lynn Sher, what a wonderful woman. Uh, in hilarious movies and in downright spooky movies. Am I right, boys? All right. Grave Robber Jeff, since you picked the feature this week, which movie featuring Lynn Shay in a starring or otherwise role did you pick for your fresh <laughs> Other dig? Otherwise. <laughs> Grave Robber Jeff's fresh dig. So this is one that actually came on the radar when I was researching my subcategory of movies starting with R. And I saw Lynn Shea was in it at that time. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. She has a starring role and whatnot. So then this mini-review theme came up, and I thought, well, that's a perfect chance to watch it. And I kind of went with choosing one where she had a major part. So she's the definitely the main star in this movie. Also, she produced it. So fingerprints all over this one. From 2019, Room for Rent. I'll just say right at the start, this is a super shorty, 80 minutes long. Oh, right up your alley. Right up my alley for sneaking in last second watchings before our podcast after uh, <laughs> record. Whoa, pal. Not that I don't look forward to the podcast. It's just we have busy lives, you see. We yeah, do. I suppose we do. Yeah. yeah. So 2019, Lynn Shea, she's, she's definitely a bit of an older actress now. And she Whoa, plays... 
a lady named Joyce, who unfortunately her husband has died. And unfortunately, she has been left no money. Oh. So what does anybody who needs money do nowadays? Um, whore themselves out on the internet. I guess that's one possible, like OnlyFans <laughs> and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah there you Anyways, go. I think some, that's what something, I think. I something that. involving Woody Harrelson? <laughs> <laughs> Inviting Woody Harrelson over? Wait a second, you don't get any money for that. Oh, you'd have to be the Woody Harrelson. I, I, whatever. <laughs> Gross, pal. Uh, what's the answer, Jeff? We're, we're perplexed. Anyways, yeah, so you've got a big house all to yourself. You set up an Airbnb. A brothel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so right off the bat, even though her husband is dead, you do notice that Joyce is definitely a bit off. It definitely carries through when she sets up her bed and breakfast. And the first couple guests she has, Sarah, played by Valeska Miller, and her husband, who doesn't really matter, so I won't look him up. <laughs> but anyways, they find her, her situation quite off-kilter a bit, too. But Joyce and Sarah actually strike up a bit of a friendship, which carries through the rest of the movie. After Sarah leaves, she, she had a good experiences. She's looking for someone else to rent the room. And that's where this guy, Bob, comes in. Oh, I should mention that she lives in a uh, very small Arizona town where there's lots of rolling red hills and all that stuff. Is that Red Rock, Arizona? Where they have oh, all yeah. those concerts and stuff? Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's in Arizona. Maybe it's Nevada. I don't know. Anyways, there's lots of mountains and it's a small town. And so Bob comes along to this small town and happens to run into Joyce and happens to mention that he's looking for a room. And so Joyce says, hey, come stay with me. I've got a room. And that's pretty much the setup. This uh, guy comes to live with him, him, her. And unfortunately, Joyce gets a bit obsessed with old Bob here and starts doing all sorts of very creepy things. She does a lot of stuff behind his back, which is super creepy. But then it seems like her goal is then to get into a relationship with Bob somehow. And there's not very many characters in this thing. And, and the setting is pretty much the house. Other than the Sarah, who she met earlier, Bob and Joyce are pretty much the only characters other than a couple of side characters that are neighbors. And so the whole thing, even though it's super short is centered around pretty much Bob and Joyce and their very bizarre relationship while he's staying at the bed and breakfast. Oh, I forgot to mention there's some very uncomfortable scenes early on with Joyce getting into trouble with some teenagers, some teenage skateboarders. Goddamn youths. Uh, yeah, and they give her a hard time. She's kind of a little off to begin with, so it's just not a good combination. And that's kind of the overarching theme of this one is very uncomfortable. Because a lot of stuff happens that you're like, Ugh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Versus the constant in-your-face action and gore splattering of, of horror movies that we tend to talk about. So this is definitely a more low-keyer, character-driven type thing. And it's weird because it's been marked with all sorts of 
genres like you know how they slap those genres on like imdb and stuff so this one yes. comes in as a crime horror mystery thriller oh bizarre but then on prime which i watched it it had comedy in there and i i did that i definitely did not think it was a comedy although people have suggested <laughs> it's more of a black comedy so i don't know we could go into this debate of horror comedies till the cows come home Something tells me those cows ain't coming home anytime soon. And so, Lynchy, I think, does a, a very good job as, as the crazy old lady. Uh, or the crazy older lady, I should say. And I think the acting by the other guys, like Bob, is... is he, like, there's nothing wrong with Bob. And, and Sarah, I think, does an alright job. So overall, I think the acting's fairly decent. It's just another one of those ones where there's not a lot of action. Some people might call it a bit boring, but if you do like the development of relationships and stuff rather than action, I think I think there's enough there to keep to keep people interested. Uh, like I mentioned before, though, there is some disturbing content. I wouldn't say it's overall like over the top disturbing, but it's just stuff that it doesn't seem right, and you're like, Bleh. but the way it all resolves and and the story behind it is actually fairly fleshed out and there's nothing really that doesn't make sense i guess i should mention the director who i didn't really recognize doing anything else but tommy stovall is his name huh. uh, apparently did hate crime in 2005 and aaron's blood in 2016 if anyone knows those ones but yeah i think lynn shay's performance is, is very good and it's just entertaining enough to watch just for that and then if you don't mind the bizarre interactions between the characters, then there's a chance you'll like it. The feedbacks have kind of been split right down the middle, so... But I think if you're a fan of Lin Shay, like you, you should watch it, because it's a main role for her, and I think she does a good job. So if I had to rate it on a scale of whatever, I'd probably come up with... I'll give it a... Well, hate to say it, but a 6 out of 10. No decimal points this time. Nah, this is a pretty, pretty big fat six. So someone having a guest over in their house and going all crazy relationshipy on them sounds an awful lot like our feature presentation as well. Yeah, I was going to say that, that that is very kind of similar, yeah. Grave Rubber, you said it was a lot of relationship building, but is there a payoff? Is there like crazy stuff that happens in this that makes waiting around for it worth it? Well, yeah, I guess I didn't really talk about the gore aspects and the scariness and stuff. There's very, very little violence. So it's all very much uh, like a creepy psychological type thing. But there's not a heck of a lot of violence. There's not zero violence, but there's not a heck of a lot of violence. When you when you learn kind of... Because a lot of it is you get pieces of, of what you think's wrong with Joyce there. And, and so you kind of have to piece it together by the end. It sort of tells you, but I was a bit confused. But I find myself a bit confused a lot lately. Yeah, you sure are uh, there, Great Robin, Jeff. Yeah, especially with the feature review, uh, which we'll talk <laughs> about later. All right, well, thank you very much, Grave Robber Jeff, for your review of Room for Rent, starring did, Lynn Shea. Did you uh, say where it was available to watch? Well, I watched it on Prime Video. I think it's also yeah. on Tubi right now. Jason the Terribles, Deep 
CBD Dungeon. Okay. Well, for my pick from Jason the Terrible's DVD Dungeon, I don't actually own any Lin Shea movies on on what? physical media. Um, well, that's not entirely true. I do own the Critters movies and probably a couple other ones, but nothing that I wanted to highlight in a mini review, let's put it that way. So I scrolled around a bit and I did something I don't usually do. I checked some of the ratings. A lot of the movies that I was checking were not rated very highly, including the one that I ended up picking. So I picked from 2020, available as a Shutter exclusive, apparently. Oh, wow. The Call. Ah. All right, so written by Patrick Stibbs, directed by Timothy Woodward Jr., and released on October 2nd, 2020, with a budget of $1.5 million and a total gross of $1.6 million worldwide. I just want to point out that the marketing on the poster says that it's from the creator of Final Destination, and boy did I have to dig to find out the connection between Final Destination and The Call. Turns out that one of the 13 producers of The Call wrote the first two Final Destination movies, that well, being good, Jeffrey Reddick. So yeah, it's true, Yeah, but it's from a lot more people than just Jeffrey Reddick. But there, gotcha. that's marketing for you. Okay, so Lynn Shea stars as Edith Cranston. She is a reclusive woman who's been a, accused of having something to do with the disappearance of a young girl. And so she's been shunned by the town. And a group of teenagers is, has been hassling her over this, including the, the older sister of the missing girl. And I got to say, this is a period piece. It takes place in 1987. If you you look at the synopsises, I'll use the letterbox one because it's sufficiently vague. (laughs) So in the fall of 1987, a group of small town friends must survive the night in the home of a sinister couple after a tragic accident occurs. Needing only to make a single phone call, the request seems horribly ordinary until they realize that this call could change their life or end it. I'm just going to say that I'm not that motivated to talk too much about this movie. Let's put it that way. Um, what? Why? Well, because it's not very good, Slice what? and Dice what? and Dave. Jason, you can't say that about a movie. <laughs> It's kind of what our job is. Slice and dice and dice. Well, no, but that's a good thing. You got to tell us, man, so we don't waste our time trying to watch this thing. This heaping pile of excrement. Is that what they say? But how, how could it be bad if Lynn Shea and Tobin Bell are in this? Thing? Oh, yeah. Well, we you like didn't Tobin even Bell. let me say that. All right. Shush. <laughs> hey, so, who's in this one? Jason the Terrible? So starring as, starring as Edith Cranston's husband is Tobin Bell. You might know Tobin Bell from Saw. If you don't know Tobin Bell from Saw, then you don't know Tobin Bell. So I love Tobin Bell. After this tragic accident happens, these four teens... We're introduced to the four teens at the beginning of the movie. These are the teens that we're supposed to be identifying with, I guess. And there's this new guy named Christopher Mitchell, played by Chester Rushing. Fans of Stranger Things will know Chester Rushing as Tommy Hagen. He's new in town, and he's befriended by Tanya Michaels, played by Aaron Sanders. 
She's kind of a bad girl, but that's okay because Christopher has some secrets in his past as well that seem kind of bad and dark. And so she calls to hang out and, oh yeah, she brings her ex-boyfriend and her ex-boyfriend's brother to hang out with them and Christopher's like, eee, okay. The ex-boyfriend's got some, has got some passive-aggressive unresolved feelings for Tanya and yet they all decide to hop in the car and go off and do their annual taunting of Edith Cranston. Christopher's like, well, what, why the heck are we going to do an annual taunting of Edith Cranston? And this is where Tanya explains, well, hey, she's responsible for the disappearance of my sister way back when. And Christopher's like, wow, that's not good. So they go and throw some rocks at Edith's house. And then Edith comes out and starts yelling at them. And, and this is a pretty good scene by Lin Shay, I have to say. The teens are accusing her of being a witch. And they're accusing her of, like, being responsible for the disappearance of this girl. And Lin Shay's performance is, is kind of heartbreaking because you don't know what to believe at this point. Her reaction to all of this is pretty much the reaction you would expect from an older woman who's been harassed for the last few years and she's being confronted by someone just threw rocks through her window. Anyways, let's fast forward a little bit. There's some stretches in this story. Some logical gaps, so to speak. Let's just say that Edward Cranston invites the four teens over to, to his house. Well, we see him call Christopher on the phone, and this is Tobin Bell, so he's like, Christopher. And I'm thinking to myself, if the next word he says is, I want to play a game, I'm just going to lose it. But what's really weird is that he does want to play a game. What I don't get is why these four teens show up at this house again. It has to do with this phone call. He basically says, hey, all you got to do is go up to this room, make a call on this phone. If you stay on the phone for one minute, you're, you're going to get a reward. Otherwise, you're free to leave. You know something's not quite going to add up because, hey, it's a horror movie. I was excited to see what the hell was going to go on with this call. And it is creepy, and it becomes kind of psychological. It becomes a very interesting investigation into the, the dark pasts and secrets of these four teens. I mentioned that Christopher had like a dark and brooding secret that you just know is going to be explored. But I'll tell you right now, you're going to be disappointed when you find out what it is. And it's kind of by design. But that's pretty much the whole movie. Huh. These, these teens make a call. And things happen to them. It's an excuse to use a lot of bizarre imagery, but there's not a lot new there. All the imagery comes from other movies. There's some weird, like, body contortion, backwards, upside-down walking and stuff, which looks really cool, but I've seen it before. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of my message about the whole thing, is that there's just nothing new about it. There was nothing that I could look at this movie and say, wow, that was really cool. It didn't add up. I think it was well filmed. I, th I thought that some of the sequences were creepy. The acting wasn't terrible, but it just wasn't very good. I'm going to come in with a 3 out of 10 on this one. Kind of matches my previous low. Yeah. You're just not going to miss anything if you don't watch it. There's just nothing in there that, that you have to see. So even Lynn Shea and Tobin Bell was not enough to... Make it a little bit good. I thought they did a good job. Like I said, the acting wasn't bad. 
and they were good. Well, that's too bad. It, it, it's it's more enjoyable when you watch a movie that's good. <laughs> Some might say enjoyable, but anyway, it's good when well, you watch bad. a movie that's good. Well, geez, Jay, thank you for the uh, review. Anyway, the call, guys. So, if I were you, maybe I'd maybe I'd steer clear of it. Well, let's get to me because, geez, man, I picked an interesting one. That's for goddamn sure. Welcome to Slice and Dice and Dave's Screaming Scream Sack of Nightmares. Um, I dug deep, and I had to kind of like maneuver my hand around a bit in order to watch this one. Uh, from 2011, Chillerama. <laughs> yeah, the thing about this one, it's one of those, what do you call them, uh, anthology type movies, you know, where there's more than one story. Basically, it's this these uh, young folks going to a drive-in movie theater, and they're going to watch uh, some drive-in movies, right? And we're going to watch them with them. But as well as those drive-in movies, it's the story of them and what's happening around them. Like there's a wraparound story almost. There's a go- it's like it's a goddamn wraparound story. That's what we're telling you here. So uh, it starts off with this uh, drunk dude digging up his ex-wife uh, in the old grave. And he's like, hey, you know, he says some like offensive stuff and things. And then he's like, hey, you never did the, Now I'm going to get the, you know. And then you find out what type of movie it's going to be right off the hop. Jason, can you please ring the bell? <laughs> yeah, I warn you, fellas, this is not going to be the last time the bell will be rung in this five minute review. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm scared to death that we may never, uh, this bell might get overworked and we might have to purchase a new bell because there was a lot of, oh boy, if you want to see friggin' wieners flopping off and getting shot off and bitten off and this off and that off, oh my God, man. Just keep ringing that bell, Jay. Just keep ringing it. No, okay. Dude goes to this cemetery. Something happens to his Johnson. <laughs> he doesn't quite die. He's all like, oh, God, I got to get to work, he says. So then he goes to this drive-in movie theater where he's a worker. So anyway, it goes into our first movie, which happens to be called Wadzilla. It was kind of funny because I said, hey, hey, wife, um, I'm watching this movie, Chillerama, and it just started. Uh, the, the first little film is called Wadzilla. Would you like to join me? And I said, it's about a giant sperm running around killing people. And she said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> she, Because when I said Wadzilla, you should have seen her face. She was like, did you just say what I think you said? Anywho, basically, it's a spoof of the, you know, the 1950s kind of monstery movies like, like Godzilla and King Kong and all those, you know what I'm saying? And uh, basically, this guy uh, doesn't have very many sperms, eh? So the doctor, like, puts him on this controversial or you know pill to like get a sperm count raised and well it it does more than that eh and i tell you what man oh god the amount of times can we even say this on national podcasting like or will they like ban us from ever speaking again there's a lot of ah, god how do i say this like without people throwing up a little bit in their mouths um a lot of like yanking off you know, in this movie, masturbating. Can I say that? 
Jesus Christ, is there a lot of that going on in this movie? Especially in Wadzilla, because how do you think this Wadzilla escapes? <laughs> this, this young man goes on a date and all hell breaks loose, we'll just say. <laughs> and uh, Sounds like oh my the date God. didn't go too well, then. <laughs> Well, you're going to have to watch and find out. But in this particular uh, segment, you'll you'll find our uh, name namesake, uh, Lynn Shea. She's not our namesake, is she, at all. But she's why we're doing this particular episode. She's in it. And she's a, a homeless gal that uh, is currently, you know, living in a dumpster. She, she's credited as a ba- bag lady. She's not in it for very long. But yeah, man, it's basically this movie is a, a giant sperm running around... New York, and uh, it's very gross <laughs> and awesome. And like the last little, I mean, obviously it's not taken itself very seriously. Last little bit kind of reminded me of like you're kidding. Yeah, no, like of like a South Park or something. Now the funny thing about this whole movie, this Chillerama, it's a two hours long, guys. Can oh, you goddamn believe that? I would believe it since it's an anthology. Yeah, luckily they are just under half an hour a pop. Wadzilla, hilarious. I wouldn't say it was scary by any chance, but I liked it. And it was directed and written by Adam Rifkin. So he's the director of Detroit Rock City. Yeah, that was a great film. God damn it. And The Chase with, what the hell is his name? Charlie Sheen and everything. I never saw that, but I always remembered I wanted to see it. So I have since added it to my list of movies to watch. So anyway, Wadzilla. The second movie was I Was a Teenaged Werebear. This is where my pride for June, the Pride Month, comes in. Because we all know uh, what a werebear is in the like the gay community, what a bear is, right? Like a big, hairy, burly man, men, right? That's what they say in the, in the gay community. That's what a bear is. So, so this one's uh, to do with that. It's a musical, which was hilarious. Kind of like making fun of Grease and the Lost Boys. These guys are greasers and stuff. And I guess it maybe a little bit of Twilight and stuff. But anyway, the premise is, I Was a Teenage Werebear is a musical and a spoof. Uh, it is set in 1962. And it's about a closeted kid who meets these other closeted kids who, when aroused, turn into leather daddy werebears. So it's actually, I, I often liked this one. It was pretty heffing hilarious. And there was awesome music. Uh, my favorite ones were Love Bit Me on the Ass. That was a good song. And Do the Werebear and Let the Werebear Do You. That's one of my favorite ones. Now, it's funny because some of these movies were released separately to the festivals. I think even this one was the the, the director who was Tim Sullivan. I think he even released it on DVDRs and stuff. There's a limited amount, which was a little longer than the actual Chillerama version. I, I would say that the Chillerama version was, if it was any longer, I don't know if I would have liked it as much. So I don't know what the uncut version would have been like. But I did like it. I thought it was pretty hilarious. It was very, <sighs> a lot to find offensive in these movies. <laughs> Let's just say if if you get offended by things, you're not going to like it. Like this is th- these are the type of movies... Like, not another teen movie, you know, like, scary movie. And even a little worse than those, I would think. Like, for offensiveness. So just keep that in mind. Uh, and then Lin Shay had a decent part in this one uh, as Nurse Maleva. Maleva? Maleva. Maleva. Nurse. She's the nurse. Oh, yeah, because something unfortunate happens to Ricky's girlfriend. 
I won't say anything, but she has to see a nurse. Okay, number three. Let's get through this, guys. You guys are getting bored and sick and barfing. The Diary of Anne Frankenstein. So this one, Hitler, played by Joel David Moore, wants to create the ultimate killing machine. So he gets them to drop off a bunch of body parts from his camps, and he creates a Frankenstein. It goes from there. <laughs> Actually, as a matter of fact, the Frankenstein he creates is uh, this Jewish creature named Meshuganah, played by Kane Hodder. Do you guys know who Kane Hodder is? Jason. That's right. And that Joel David Moore did a great job, and he was from, uh, you know, Avatar and all that. Plus, he did that movie with Lin Shay, uh, Grace the Possession. I hung out with him. I never said a word to him, but uh, I guess I didn't really hang out with him. Oh, God. It was it was pretty funny. And it's the type of movie that, like, it was, it was black and white. It was subtitled. I don't think they were speaking actual German, because I heard them say some hilarious things instead of German stuff. So it was quite funny. Anyway, good movie. And it's the type of thing where like the Hitler runs and shuts the door and locks it, but then the monster kind of just walks around the set. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that kind of thing. And then uh, the fourth movie, let me just get the name right here. Uh, Deathification. It's presented by the world-renowned filmmaker Fernando Fagabifi. And... <laughs> God, I laughed my ass off on that. Anyway, luckily this one does not last long, and it almost made me uh, barf a little bit and shut off the film. And I guarantee you if my wife was watching it, she would have shut off the film and left. It was a little rough, because deathification, right? What does that sound like? Desiccation? Isn't it def defecation? Oh, that's something different. Like with poops and things? That's not what I was thinking. <laughs> so basically, Fernando Fagabifi explains how this movie, by watching it, it'll basically kill you by making you crap your pants. Uh, luckily, it doesn't last too long, but it is not very enjoyable to watch. And then it gets us to the wraparound film. It's There's a couple couples. There's a, you know, a bunch of love interests, and they're all at this movie theater, and they all want to you know, date each other and all this and all that and watch these movies. But then, of course, you, you remember what happened earlier. This this dude, something happened to his groin and he became kind of zombie-ish, but he came to work anyway, right? So all heck breaks loose. And that's where this one, uh, Zombie Movie. Do you get it? Zom-Bee Movie. Zombie Movie. See what they did there? Directed by Joe Lynch. Oh, shit, I didn't tell you who directed the Diary of Van Frankenstein. Adam Green, who, get this, Jay, I believe he wrote the Tommy Jarvis tapes on Friday the 13th of the game, as well as he directed Hatchet and Hatchet 2. Those are pretty culty horror movies, you know those ones? And Hatchet and Hatchet 2 was starring Kane Hodder. Okay, see, so there you go. So there's a lot of wraparound and stuff. And like, oh, yeah, what, Lynn Shea was in Detroit Rock City. She was the, the mom that said, you can't listen to those those goddamn rock stars and their Satan's business, and then she burns those tickets. So it all wraps up. I think they came up with the idea when they were filming uh, Detroit Rock City way back in the day, and it took a little while to eventually come to fruition in 2011. There's a big story about it. We don't have time. So anyway, basically, 
that was uh, the Frankenstein one. Now we're talking about Wadzilla. Or not Wadzilla, Jesus Christ. The zombie movie. Now who the hell directed that? Was that Bear McCready? Directed by... Yeah, Bear McCready. So who the hell is Bear McCready? <laughs> he is... Oh, he was a composer. Oh, it looks like he does a lot of composing, which is pretty cool. For Godzilla, King of the Monsters, 10 Cloverfield Lane, even The Walking Dead. Anyway, gentlemen, there. so when all hell breaks out during zombie movie, I honestly said to myself, what the hell, man? This is bloody nuts. It was almost too much for me. Basically, because not only do they become these zombie things, but they become these zombie things that kind of want to do it, you see? There's about a good two minutes where it is just, you have to be of a certain mindset <laughs> to be able to enjoy it. And unfortunately, I was in that mindset. <laughs> but I don't know how many normal people would be in that simple mindset. This is the type of movie you'd sit around with your buddies saying, oh man, imagine making a movie like this and being like, oh, there's no way in hell you can make a movie like that. And then they make a movie like that type of thing. It's bizarre, the, the type of movies they can make. One thing that I noticed is the, the poster art is really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Are you looking at the thing with the giant sperm, the werebear, and then the, the Frankenstein creature? And all the, and yeah, the drawings? Yeah, it, like, it looks like they illustrated by all the characters. Yes. But I tell you what, guys... They're like, especially in that last two minutes that I was just talking about in Zombie Movie, uh, like ring that bell 25 more times. It's very offensive, very, um, what do you call it, when it shows a lot, a lot more. It doesn't leave anything to the imagination, you know what I'm saying? Graphic. Is it worse than that Robocop spoof you showed me on YouTube oh my, or whatever? Oh my was. God, did I show you that? I don't think that was on YouTube, Jeff. I don't know uh, where that came from. I just remember some guy showing it to me and I laughed my ass off. Basically, it's Robocop shooting off all these wieners during that scene where those guys try to rape that gal. Can we say that? And uh, <laughs> it's on par with that, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not quite that far. Maybe a little less. But, I mean, it was pretty goddamn hilarious. Now, this is where it gets interesting. If it didn't have that deathification, I would have given it an easy seven, seven and a half. But because of that chunk... You're saying chunk when it comes to deathification? <laughs> okay, okay, let's not get into it. I gotta drop it to like a 6.25. I mean, it is a two-hour-long movie, right? And it's all the same kind of comedy and stuff. It's great. I loved it. It's very gross, very hilarious, very childish, although it's adult-ish. It's tasteless. <laughs> That's so funny. I was just watching the preview. It's going around. Well, oh my God, it's so funny. It's a good movie. I'd watch it again. I'm going to watch it again. I'll give it a six and a half. Will I give it a seven? Yes. No, six and a half. <laughs> But it's hilarious. It's my cup of tea. I guess I'm just a freak. Chillerama, 2011, directed by all those people. Sorry I didn't tell you who it was. It was there was a lot to talk about. It was a hard one to do. So I hope uh, you got out of it what uh, I got out of it. It's on Tubi in America, Vudu in the U.S., Google Play, iTunes, Amazon. Then you can rent it on all sorts of good stuff. And then in our home country of Canadiaville, you can rent it. That's it. All right. Thank you, Slice and Dice and Dave. That sounds like quite 
the movie. <laughs> it sure was, pal. It sure was. Well, let's get serious, everybody. It's time for our feature presentation. Ooh. And now watch out for our feature presentation. Grave Robber Jeff, you seem to have a knack for picking the off-the-beaten-track movies for our feature reviews, and I think you've done it again. So, why don't you give us an introduction to The Shrew's Nest? It just usually comes down to running out of time to pick a movie. And on good old Shudder, if, if you guys have Shudder, Shudder has these categories uh, that I've made use of when picking many themes in the past. So they have one called A Good Scare. And I thought, well, we don't usually watch too many scary movies. And there's just the first one on the list, Shrew's Nest. And I clicked on it. And it had this really weird... Um, you know, when, when it displays the, it's not like the poster art, but it's like a screenshot of like an advertisement kind of, of. Publicity still. Yeah, publicity still is a good description of it. It was just really weird. <laughs> and I thought, wow, okay, well, at least I better read the synopsis. And it mentioned misery, which, which I think we all know. So why not? Did you realize when you picked it there, uh, Grave Robin Jeff, that it was uh, a, um, a subtitled film? I didn't put two and two together, but I should have. Yeah, because it's interesting, because if I remember correctly, you're not the biggest fan of subtitled films. Or religious-y movies. This has, it was both subtitled and heavily religious, and you picked it as our main review. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said I don't like subtitles, but... Oh really? In fact, I you said you one of my my favorite movies was, was the the Pan's Labyrinth, which was completely oh uh, that's right, and I loved that movie. That's one of my favorite that's, movies. That's subtitled, if I'm not mistaken, like you just said. Yes, but the religious aspect, I would say, is something I mentioned before that that it's not my favorite subject matter, and that is all over the fingerprints of this movie, 2014s. Shrew's Nest. Now this is a Spanish movie, so it goes by the Spanish name Musaranas. You sure? Musaranas? Musaranas. Unfortunately, I do not know Spanish, so I don't know if that's actually how you pronounce it. Well, I know that some of our listeners speak Spanish, so I'm going to hear about it. <laughs> well, there you go. All right, well, how about a synopsis there, Grave Robert Jeff? Oh, yeah, the synopsis that led me to selecting this movie. I might as well read it right now. It must be good. It's a synopsis. In 1950s Spain, an agoraphobic woman spends her days inside the apartment she shares with her sister, who she's raised since their mother died. But when a handsome neighbor knocks on her door, seeking help after a fall, Monsi dresses his wounds and sets about ensuring he'll never leave her apartment again. That oh synopsis took a dramatic dark turn right at the end there. Yeah, yeah, it yes. sure did. And that does mention that there's homages to misery, which makes sense if you're familiar with that story. It says it homages Misery and Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which I have not seen. But So we can talk yes. about the homages to Misery, for sure. Yes. 
Yeah, the guy that uh, is in the bed, you know, with the leg and everything. The leg and everything. He's got two of them. It's Hugo Silva yeah. as Carlos. Oh, wait a sec. I thought we were talking about the dude from Misery. Oh. You know what I'm saying? The guy with the leg and things? Yeah, well, again, there's a guy with a leg and things in this movie, too, that's in a bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what movie are we talking about here? <laughs> are we talking about Misery or are we talking about Shrew's Nest? We're going to talk about Shrew's Nest and how it is very much influenced by Misery, but I think we've already done you, that. Do you know what's bizarre? I brought up friggin' what the hell is that TV series, Castle Rock, and that's a, a pretty big Misery-type business, too, you know what I'm saying? All right, well, how do we want to do this? Well, I'll tell you what, guys. I was watching this movie, and I said, who the hell is this main actress? She looks awfully familiar. And then and then, and then, then I put two and two together, and she was in a movie that I'm a big fan of uh, from 2001, Dagon. She was quite uh, enchanting, shall we say. In this particular movie, she's someone completely different. <laughs> so she looks completely different, is what I'm trying to say. Macarena Gomez as Monsi. She's the main gal, or the, the, the eldest sister, as we call her. Am I correct? Well, it's interesting you say main gal, because at the beginning of the movie, I thought the main gal was actually going to be Nadia de Santiago's character, only known as La Nina. What does La Nina mean, Jay? It means the girl. Ah, interesting. I think they're kind of <laughs> co-main gals, wouldn't you say? Yeah, Yeah, I would say. I agree. Well, they are, but the movie spends a lot more time than I thought they would spend with Monsi. Let me yeah. just say right up at the beginning, well, there's two things I want to say right up at the beginning. One, the first half of this movie felt like I was watching a Spanish soap opera. And two, by the time it was finished, the performance that Macarena Gomez puts on is quite <laughs> frankly amazing. Holy shit, Jay. Did you just say you thought you were watching a Spanish soap opera? Come on, pal. First off, give soap operas a little more credit than that. Second, oh, wait a sec. That means I'm making fun of the movie by saying that. So I take that back. It was not soap opera-ish, thank you. It was, it was an interesting story. And I felt feelings for poor Macarena because, you know, it's bizarre. Like, I... I didn't even really know of agoraphobia, agoraphobia, really. Like, I never really knew, like, there was a condition where you kind of couldn't go outside. Did you watch Charlie Brown as a kid? Yes. Yes, I did. But he goes outside he goes... and he gets that Christmas tree and he goes, good grief. And then he kicks up the snow and lands on his rear end. Right? But he also goes to Lucy's uh, psychiatrist booth. Oh, and, that's uh, right. He yeah. thought he had agoraphobia. Oh, that's right. I remember that. And then Charlie wow, Brown's so I like, did What's know. That? And then she's like, a fear of everything. And that's Chuck's hilarious. Like, that's it. If, oh God, that's such an old cartoon. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Wasn't it the Christmas? I just watched that too. So there you go. Hey, that there that shows you my comprehension. I could read things fastly, but I just couldn't understand a goddamn thing I was reading. How did I do so well in school? You know, like nowadays, I'd probably flunk out. So agoraphobia Jeez. is the, the fear of being, okay, I guess, I, I thought agoraphobia was simply the fear of being in wide open spaces. Wide open spaces. Is that the, the chicks? The Dixie chicks? The, no, I think they named their band the chicks now, didn't they? Oh, they might like have I'm talking years that, ago. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Don't they do wide open spaces? <laughs> but yeah, according to Wikipedia, I've just been set straight because it's, it's an anxiety disorder. 
characterized by symptoms of anxiety. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> An anxiety disorder. <laughs> but, well, I wonder if there's... Hey, go to like the Mayo well, Clinic. No, but hang on. So it's where a person perceives their environment to be unsafe with no easy way to escape. So I, I can see how that would be applicable to people who just don't want to leave their homes because they don't want to be out in the great wide open. So... But open spaces, public transit, shopping center, shopping centers, or simply being outside their home. So I've learned a little bit now more about agoraphobia than I knew before this. And that's why we watch these movies, everybody, to learn things. Am I correct? Yeah. That's why I watched Chillerama, because next time I see a Wadzilla walking around the streets, I know to, to run the other way. You broke so our then... goddamn bell, Slice and Dice and Dave. I know. Yeah, there was a lot of... I, I, sh I should have went and counted the amount of times someone's wiener got shot off at the end of that movie. Well, it just it means... very entertaining. Can... <laughs> I, I, oh, my God. Anyway. Hey, Shrew's Nest. Remember that one? <laughs> so, Grave Robber Jeff, what did you think of the... I mean, again, to bring up the term slow burn, this movie did not feel like a horror movie for a long time, and then it definitely did. So how? what did you think? I kind of felt that way as well. It sort of reminded me of, um, what's that style of movie we've talked about? Giallo? Giallos, where there's really? a ton of development, then the last half hour things just go bananas. <laughs> And uh, kind of applicable to this one, I would say. Because partially, the first third, I'm like, well, I like this movie, but I don't know if it's something we should be doing a feature review about. Because I don't know how many people would, would like this sort of thing. But oh, yeah. I gave, I, th I said to myself, I'll watch it to the end and then decide. So by the end, I thought there, there was plenty to talk about. So I kept Well, great. Then I found out that critics loved it. And... It has above average uh, ratings from the general public, so there's definitely something here, especially if you've never heard of it. Yeah, I didn't. And then it was funny because I tried to type the name in on Shutter, and it wouldn't come up. Did yeah, anybody else was, have that problem? That was and so weird. I'm like, yeah, so I'm like, okay, it's not coming up. That's lame. So I'm gonna go to the foreign section of Shutter. Well, guess what? The last movie in the list of <laughs> fucking movies was it was a goddamn shrew's nest i couldn't believe it i said of course that is bizarre yeah come on sure well, what was it? yeah so we talked about one of the actresses what what else do we what else can we talk about other actresses well how about we, what should we how, do how about we do this grave robber jeff you gave us the synopsis how about you give us a little bit more of the plot then how does this movie start that's what i was going to bring up because we hadn't even talked about that at all well let's hear you so we have established that it's two sisters living in a house. Now, it happens to be the same house that they've lived in their entire lives. Apartment. More apartment, of, right? More of an apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the beginning, they do fill in some of the background where, where the younger sister uh, kind of explains how childhood was, was like with, with her older sister. And unfortunately, their mom passed away when she gave birth to the younger sister. So that's always been on her mind. She remembers when her sister was reading her bedtime stories and all sorts of stuff. So it does establish quite a few things at the start before jumping to the present day. The mother's already gone, and then the dad disappeared because of 
Set war. 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 Situation. World War II. It was World War II, wasn't it? It was World War II. And you can tell that the, the older sister is very protective and watchful of the younger sister. Especially now that she's just turned 18. Seems to be getting attention from boys. Which Monty does not like. And brings the hammer down religiously to try to prevent it from going on. Well, what's interesting is that we say it's a religious movie, but it doesn't paint religion in a very positive light. It starts right at the beginning when you were saying that Monsi was reading her sister bedtime stories. She was specifically saying that Monsi was reading scary stories. And then we see that she's reading from the Bible. So I thought that was a nice, subtle little dig there. Yes, yes. We see Monsi provide some very rough discipline to her sister just for having a conversation with the boy out on the street. And a lot of this comes from Monsi's fear that her sister's going to leave the apartment eventually and leave her alone, which she's not going to be able to do anything about because she's agoraphobic and she can't leave her apartment. And then we should say what... uh... Monsi does for a living because she doesn't just live there and not earn a living. She, uh, what's she do? Designs and makes clothing? She's a seamstress. Like, a seamstress. Um, she regularly has one lady that comes in and, and, and she goes, hey, my, my husband's a doctor, you see. So you should really call him up sometime and he can sort you out. Absolutely. And she also slips her some, some stuff to make her calm down a little bit. Oh, yes, yes. So she's taken some some drugs to help her sleep that this woman yep. gives her. The thing about Macarena Gomez's performance is that even at the beginning when she's doing these crazy things to her sister when her sister clearly doesn't deserve it, and then throughout the movie she just plays it in such in such a sad way. Like you feel for her the entire oh, time. Big time. And as a matter of fact, there's a time where I was kind of against the younger sister. I was like, well, geez, you're just acting like a jerk to this poor gal here. Like, obviously, and so I was kind of like on on her side, Monsi's side, you know? And then kind of things start happening, and I was still on Monsi's side, <laughs> for a little bit at least. And then, and then it was kind of hard to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> to keep like sticking in her corner i was like you know what i don't know if i want to be associated uh, back in this horse i might uh, bow out now you know what i'm saying so you were saying things happen what exactly happens slice and dice and dave let's just say that her her illness probably gets the better of her is, is a, that kind of fair to say that's a very vague answer i'm looking for something specific grave robber <laughs> jeff you give it a try <laughs> Well, I was trying to not well, like, uh, say anything. Or, you know, well, but, well, before we get to the, the main plot point, because one of the things that I thought was cool about, about her performance in, in the movie at the beginning was that she is kind of just, you can tell that there's something off, and, and they give a bit of clues with the, the stories and stuff. But she has hallucinations. Yes. And she has hallucinations in real time. And oh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember seeing, well, I don't remember seeing too many movies that shoot it like that, where where it's happening in front of her, but she's remembering it. It's just, it was just very neatly done, I thought. 
Yeah, like and like course, the 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 sister would leave the room and then she'd like uh, turn her head and there's her old uh, pops. Yes, I was just gonna. To I was just gonna say, who does she hallucinate? Yes, the dad. But then there's also the dad with other people, and well, I, one of the three of them, I guess, is always in the in the situation. But anyway, mm-hmm. so you can tell there's something really screwed up with her, and something happened. But the pieces haven't come together yet. And then she gets a knock on the door. It's like fate delivered in a nice uh, manly package. Am I yep. correct? The the world's <laughs> clumsiest man shows up on her doorstep. Because what happened? He just fell down the stairs. Uh, that was quite unfortunate for him. <laughs> and com- and completely busted up his leg in a horrific See, I- way. Yeah, you know what? Like I, in the back of my head, because let's not let's not forget that that night that uh, Monsi like you know wails on her uh, sister there, and then obviously the the younger gal doesn't really feel comfortable staying in the place, so she sleeps in the uh, hallway, I guess. And that's where we see this gentleman for the first time. Is what I'm trying to say. Him and his buddy are all like, "Hey." Look at this beautiful-looking young gal lying here. They, they're like, you know what? Let's not be creepos. Let's just get a blanket and let her be. So, but that, so that's where we see him for the first. So, so when he's sitting there knocking on the door, saying, "Oh my God, I forgot, I banged my my head like a foolish uh, prankster," you know. And and then so I was thinking, I wonder if he's just like trying to figure out how to get in there so he can, you know, be closer to this younger gal you know is that is that why he was getting in there was it you know what i'm saying you're very maybe cynical. he's got an all maybe he's got an maybe he didn't just knock his head maybe that was all a ruse just to get into the household you know so maybe he, that was what was he, going on he broke his leg very severely just to try to get in that room instead of knocking maybe on the door it, in the first place maybe it went a little uh off maybe it didn't quite go how he expected it to go or wanted it to go but i mean it worked he was in the he was in the household wasn't he yeah, it worked. That scene you're talking about, Slayson, where La Nina sleeps outside the front door of the apartment to get away from her sister just shows you how severely this agoraphobia is affecting her sister because she's literally four or five feet away from the door and her sister can't do anything to go out and get her. She's a, She's effectively escaped from this little skirmish just by stepping out the front door. That first fight really sets up the power dynamics and the situation that these two are dealing with. Correct. So, Grave Robber Jeff, have you seen Misery? I think I did, but I can't remember for sure. Did you read the book, though? It would have been so long ago. I don't even know if I did. I definitely am familiar with the story and what happens in it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies that everybody was talking about back when it came out. And Misery was one of the novels that came out when he was at, I would argue, his peak popularity, right? And then Kathy Bates goes and wins an Oscar for her performance in it and everything. Even if you don't remember watching the movie and you you know the story well enough to see its fingerprints all over this movie. A little bit, although I think the Stephen King was about an author, wasn't it? The profession doesn't really come into it in this one at all. I know, but wasn't wasn't Misery like she wanted him to finish the book? Yeah, well, he she wanted him to write a different book because she got to read the manuscript that he was going to publish to finish the series, and she didn't like it. 
So she wanted to make him write a different ending to the series. So I think that's where it's a bit different, because this one, she lets him in, helps him into bed, tries to get him comfortable and whatnot. But he, he stirs some feelings in her that have been dormant for a long time. And this is what I found so sad about her performance, was here's this woman that's trapped in her house. She's been raising her younger sister for her entire life. She's probably never had a boyfriend. And here this clumsy man has has fallen down the stairs into her life. This handsome clumsy man. And so now she's got him on a bed. He's all delirious and his legs all effed up. But she can't help but think of the possibilities. And at this point, I'm totally on board with this. And then when when her sister comes in and starts, you know, flashing her... I don't know what color her eyes were, but you know what I mean. Batting Start, those eyelashes? Starts batting the eyelashes. I'm like, don't steal him away from your, your sister. Give your sister a chance. But it's it's pretty I obvious think. that the guy's not interested in Monsi at all. Because the funny thing was is that she tried to keep it a secret for a bit there. Which, if you're living in an apartment, keeping the existence of a clumsy man in the other guest bedroom secret is not really very easy to do it just goes well with the mental state at the time of course and aside from the fact that she's stealing her uh, eldest sister's uh, potential love interest here she had another dude on the side the guy that she was yipping and yapping to out on the street right the whole reason they got into a little skirmish earlier on so so she's already got a guy god dang younger sister right I mean, she's been pretty sheltered this whole time, too. Now the whole world's opening up for her. But what it tells me is that she knows right away that Monsi is not having a normal reaction to having this guy in her apartment. Like, if she thought that Monsi was legitimately just trying to court this guy, I think she realizes right away that there's danger here and she's trying to get this guy out. And it's nothing to do about trying to, like, steal the man away from her sister. It's about saving the guy's life. Yes. But you don't necessarily realize that at the time. Because we're probably getting close to at the end of... Because we've set the table pretty well, I think. But we can't go too much farther. No. We've already alluded that she doesn't want the guy to leave. Well, it's very much a misery situation. Yes. I don't think it was, like, extreme. Honestly, I think of the guys just like, hey... Get me a doctor. I need to get out of here now. Here, Monty. Let's let's sort this out. Let's you know stop being weird. Let's just go. That never happens. It's all like, it's all like, uh, you know. And plus, he wants to stay there for the younger girl too, right? So he's not making a big stink about getting out. Well, yes he? and no. He thought that the doctor had already seen him. That's why he's sticking around, right? Right. So had he known the truth about that then it probably would have escalated faster. But as it is, you're right, Grave Robber, we probably shouldn't go too much further than this. This movie goes a little bit batshit by the time it gets to the end of it. It definitely pays off for your patience, even though some of it some of it stretches the believability quite a bit. I don't think it really goes batshit crazy. I think it it like climaxes, but I don't think it's like super nuts or crazy or anything i wasn't like oh my god ah i was like oh yeah okay i could see this happening (laughs) you know what i'm saying 
but the difference between this movie and a lot of the movies we've talked about, this movie is 100% grounded in reality. There's no supernatural things going on here. This woman and her mental illness and a clumsy man in her bed. But the depths of her mental illness and what it makes her do uh-huh. is pretty horrifying. And so I think we're a little jaded by how these movies usually go. We're like, oh, yeah, well, I expected that. But but it's like I still felt bad for her. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre, right? She's like a completely, even when... completely sympathetic no, but like, character. Even even climax onwards. Yes. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Okay, good. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I was just nuts myself, but okay, good. Well, good. we clearly are, but yeah, I understand. How about you, Grave Robber? <laughs> At yeah, any point. to a degree, because it's hard to say without talking about everything. But but as you learn why she's screwed up, like you can't help but feel for the lady, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Or, well, there you go, guys. Well, hey. Although you say I there mean, is no supernatural stuff, the only thing that was kind of supernatural is that, uh, well, she's a very thin lady, and she's got some power, and, and I don't know where that <laughs> comes from. There's a particular scene that that I. Don't know if you guys know about where she just takes the mitts to someone. And I don't know. It just doesn't seem like she could be that strong, I guess. Okay, I, I, understand, don't know. I understand what you're saying. I wouldn't classify that as supernatural. <laughs> Maybe superhero. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What you're trying to say is that's kind of a little unbelievable, but the rest of the movie is potentially a believable story, right? Could happen to you. Not like this, hey, the, uh, look at this paranormal activity with all the all the ghosts flying around in your house type business. Eh? Well, I guess technically that could happen too. Who knows, man? What did you guys think of the ending? Because when I first talked to you about this, you guys weren't even sure about how it ended. Whereas I kind of looked at it and thought, and I'm not tooting my own horn here. Oh, for God's sakes, Jason. I looked at it about halfway through the movie, and I'm like, yeah, okay, this is what's going on. Well, and no, I, I I, didn't get that until the end. And then I just real, then I thought to myself, is that really what was going on? And I couldn't, fi- I couldn't figure out if it was or not. Turns out it was. So I figured it out, but it was weird. After it goes a little crazy, are you satisfied with the way it ended? Yes. I'm very easily pleasable with endings compared to you nerd faces. Oh my god, this ending. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? So, Grave Robber, how about you? Yeah, no, I, I like the ending. It was fine. Yeah. Awesome. Well, should, should we get on to the goddamn ratings, fellas? We didn't even talk about directors or anything. It's oh, well, true. whose fault was that? That's your fault, Jeff. It seems like you want to get to the end quick. Do you have somewhere to be? All right, well, this movie was directed by Juan for Andres and Esteban Roel. Written by Juan for Andres, Sofia Suenca, and Angel Amoros. Filmed in Madrid, Spain over 22 days and what made $1.2 million. I do not have what? a budget. Oh, son of a... One final note about Macarena Gomez... She's in a Spanish, uh, I get the feeling this is almost like a sitcom. She's been in 154 episodes of a show called La Que Se Avicina. What I've pieced together is that she's got a, a big history in comedy. 
is interesting given her performance in this movie, but you can sort of tell she's got that quality because she goes all over the place with her facial expressions and her behavior in this movie. So she's like the, the Spanish female Jim Carrey. Is that what you're telling me? Not at all, but (laughs) nice try. Hey, have you guys ever been to Spain before? What a lovely country. I've been there a couple of times. When, when I retire, I'd like to retire in Spain. That's how much I love it. All right. Well, let's now finally move into our rating segments, gentlemen. Fantastic. Jeffrey, let's start with you since you picked this movie. Uh, were you scared at all watching this movie, Jeff? I think this is one of those that will probably rate a few more disturbo meter points than, than scary points. Yeah, there, w- there wasn't too much scary, was there, fellas? Like, it's more of a, like Jeff just said half a second ago, uh, more disturbing, isn't it? So I, I'd have to be low on the scary meter. If you're worried that you're going to be scared watching this movie, I don't think you should be. I'd give it like a two and a half out of ten. If we had a suspense meter. Do you think it's suspenseful? I guess a little bit, a little yeah. higher than scary it's more suspenseful than scary like there's yeah for sure it tried to set up at the beginning what happens when monsi is upset with her sister so you know that when her sister is sneaking around talking to the clumsy man that if she gets caught to get caught oh yeah no no so it it is suspenseful and when things start going crazy later it's it's suspenseful more than scary yeah pretty pretty low on the scare meter for sure yeah but then we start to talk about Disturbometer. And, and Grave Robber, maybe you want to start us off on that one too? Well, this front to back is full of disturbing stuff. I'd say it's above mediocre to mediocre high. Is that one of the ratings, Jeff? <laughs> I don't see why not. Or highly mediocre? I, th- I think you got to go with high on this one. Like, I don't see how you can't. Yeah, maybe you're right. It is pretty disturbing when you... When everything's all said and done, isn't it? The most disturbing part is, like, we haven't even talked about it, right? Well, of course we haven't talked about that, because we can't. The the reason why it's highly disturbing is mostly due to that. Yep. Well, yes, but also just living inside this woman's head for an hour and a half. Yeah, there you go. I agree with you, Jay. All right, how about gore meter? Slice and dice and dude. Yeah, there's a little bit of blood here, isn't there? And um, limbs. There's a little bit of gore, isn't there? Like, it's not high, but like maybe a four out of ten? I would go as high as a five and a half or a six. There's an awful lot of blood in this movie. Huh. And when you really think about it, you know, there's even oh, get... a dismembered torso and... Yeah, I was going to say the leg business too, I guess. Eh? That was and exactly. The, the state yeah. of this guy's leg as he's lying in yeah. bed. And what she... I didn't even realize what she did to that leg at one point. I'm like, what the Are you hell? Serious? What the hell is that? Then I realized what she did, and it's like, okay, well, that's that's definitely kind of a a misery esque solution. I guess she really is crazy. What do you think, Jeff Gore? A plenty? Right, the middle probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna say a five. The torso and stuff like was more implied than. Like, they could have definitely got another notch there had it been more in your face. Uh, yeah, you got that right, pal. Uh, hoots and such. I mean, there's a, a nude torso lying about, isn't there? But, I mean, that's obviously a prosthetic. So there's not actually any uh, real uh, nudity in this movie, is there? 
Am I mistaken? I don't think so. And there is, uh, what do you call that? Sexual content. Some of it disturbing. Gentlemen, should we get on to our final ratings of 2014's Shrew's Nest? Let's do it. Yeah, who wants to go first? I'll go first, because nobody's jumping at it. Well, gentlemen, I actually enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a good movie. I didn't think too much of it off the hop. But the more I think about it, the more I uh, think, hey, that was a pretty goddamn good movie. Uh, good story. I-, I love that you can watch these movies from Spain or wherever the hell else now so easily these days. What a wonderful world. And um, I'm going to give it a seven and a half out of ten. That's pretty good, eh? I, I liked it that much. And-, and and you know what? Like five of those marks are because of uh, Macarena Gomez's uh, performance. She's a wonderful all right, thank you, Slice and Dice and Dave. Grave Robert Jeff. You're welcome. How about you? Definitely kind of is in my bowling alley. Is that what people say, bowling alleys? That's exactly what they say. I tend to like the dramas that, that have horror elements, and that's definitely what this is. And you do have to get through, because if you're anticipating lots of action in the first half, you're not really going to get it. You have to be more... Up for the emotional components and the character development and all that stuff. But I always enjoyed the ones that have a good story, but there's also horror attached to it. For one of the rare times where I think they got the story pretty good, like from start to end, like there, was, there wasn't anything that I would really complain about the story at all. Some people say maybe they predict what happens or whatnot. I'm not really one of those guys. But then when you sprinkle in the the horror aspects it just it dials it up it makes it a very enjoyable movie especially with as you've already said with macarena gomez's performance and so the only really complaint i had was i think jason kind of brought it up earlier where there are a couple of kind of moments that are too unbelievable that probably wouldn't have happened why didn't she just call the police? That type of thing, right? I know. I've th- I've thought about but, that. But or then you can think of police. like, well, maybe it's because they're so attached that she doesn't want to get her into yeah, trouble or whatever. But it gets to a point where it's past that, I would think. So there were a couple of things that were a little unbelievable. And so for that reason, it, it doesn't get a perfect score, of course. But still a very enjoyable movie, even though it has a lot of disturbing elements. So I came in with an actually identical score to Dave, seven and a half out of ten. Yeah, we're the best, man. Well, I was almost going to go with a seven and a half, but I changed my mind while I was listening to you guys. You just don't want to be like us. Kind of, something like that. At the risk of being completely repetitive, yes, Macarena Gomez is amazing in this movie. But I think that the movie is amazing because the horror comes from something real. And something that we don't know a whole lot about. Maybe you do. I didn't know a whole lot about it. You heard me learn something about it on this podcast. And that is what is agoraphobia. I think the story was solid. Even though I guessed a couple things about the story near the end, it didn't change my impression of it. Lots of trigger warnings that have to be added on to this that we can't really talk about. It, it is a movie that tugs on your heartstrings in many different ways and might even frustrate you, but I think it does so in in the best way possible. The first half is a bit long, but 
you know, we always talk about how character development should be more prevalent in horror movies, and this one's got it. The characters are likable and tragic, and so I think as a film, it's it's done very well. So I bumped mine up to 8 out of 10. Holy moly! I think it's well worth the patience getting to know these characters and to see it go spectacularly off the rails at the end. And just a unique experience because it's not a paint-by-numbers horror movie. There, there are parts of it that you could argue are not completely original, and it does borrow a lot from Misery, but it's an effective horror movie. Right on. That's pretty good, guys. That was, that was quite a surprising movie. I didn't know what to think when Jeff picked it, but I'm glad he picked it. Isn't that nice? See, we wouldn't have known if it wasn't for Jeff. I say again, Jeff has been picking some interesting off-the-board picks. That's why we invited him on the podcast, because I'm always sitting there like going, hey, what's everybody going to want to hear about? And Jeff's like, I don't care, I'm just picking this. <laughs> <laughs> it's and true. Like, Damn right, Jeff. If people aren't like interested in obscure movies, then no one's listening, right? So how do you know yeah, it's with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got to do this. The episodes like Shrew's Nest. What the hell is that? I don't care about that. Let's listen to this guy who's talking about Halloween or yeah. something like that. You are but correct. Part of our job is to find the under the radars, although we had an episode of that already. This one would probably make my under the radar list. All right. This brings us to the end of another episode and another highly recommended movie for you to go check out. If you do have Shudder and you're trying to search for it, beware that you might not be able to actually find it with their search function. But if you persevere, you'll find it and you'll be rewarded. Here in Canada, Shudder, AMC+, Plus, which is on Prime Video, and then you can rent it wherever you find rentals. The United States, same things. Shudder, AMC+, Plus, Spectrum, ondemand.spectrum.net. You guys know what Spectrum is? I don't know. It's an American thing. All right. Thank you, fellow watchers, for tuning in to another episode. We really appreciate it. You can get in touch with us at watchouthorror at gmail.com, or better yet, visit us at our website at www.watchouthorror.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media accounts, as well as links to find all of our past episodes. So please check them out. And until next time, and there will be a next time, be safe, treat each other well, and go watch some horror movies. Thank you for listening to Watch Out. The opinions you've just heard have been made by three guys from Canada. Please keep this in mind and enjoy responsibly. I'm hardly thinking that uh, there's a, uh, a, a, what do you call it, when they're like similar, a similarity between the two. <laughs> when they're similar? <laughs> a similar. No, just kidding. Anyway. Well, all right, Slice and Dice and Dave, since you picked the feature this week. Did you pick the feature? No. All no, right. All right, Grave Robber Jeff, since you picked Whoa. the feature this week. Okay, stop Talk about a me. screw up. <laughs> oh, I wanted to go with that. Jeff, it's your turn. Go before you can say it again and edit it out. 
We could go into this debate of horror comedies till the cows come home. Something tells me those cows ain't coming home anytime soon. What makes you say that? Well, when's the last time you saw those guys? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they haven't been gone a while. <laughs> been goddamn years, if I remember. You know what I'm yeah. <laughs> and what, so... what the hell? <laughs> that was me to pretend that the cows were coming home. Right, go on, Jeff. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Jeff gets pissed. Jeff gets pissed about that? Why? Yeah, because we were. Oh, what? I was paying attention. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Nothing. Love you. Good night. It's got religious fingerprints all over it. <laughs> you want to try that again? The performance that Macarena Gomez puts on is quite frequently, quite frankly, Quite frequently. <laughs> I guess you're right there, too. Did you eat, like, marijuana gummies tonight or something? You seem a bit... A Maybe bit it's coming, coming in from my air conditioner. Maybe someone's out there just freaking <laughs> hooting it into my... Who knows, man? Jeez. I had, a, I had a wild cherry Pepsi. Wait a second. That's not wild cherry at all. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm just pretending. I love wild cherry Pepsi. I had like a weird. Uh, okay, go on. He had a weird what? I had a, a guacamole that was a little spicy. Maybe there was a little kick to that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh God! Someone has to unplug and replug in Jeff. <laughs> God, I wish you know, that's it? how it works. <laughs> Okay, we'll just get to your rating number, Jeff. Don't you love I was like, gonna say the world nowadays? Oh, sorry, go profound. Ahead. Now it's gone. Oh, wait, no, you're on the piece you're, of fruit. Yeah, you're on the wrong podcast if you were going to say something profound. <laughs> I'm hilarious. Withered piece of fruit. What were you going to say, Jeff? 